whoa, 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 hang on a moment. Yes, you know what time it is. This is Jen, your host, and this podcast is all about taking agency and owning yourself. And every week on this show, I'm going to help you use your voice, stand in your power, and operate from a place of self. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Hang On A Moment. So I am going to go straight into this episode, and it is totally unscripted. I have no course notes, no podcast notes. I always say course notes, but, you know, because it's hopefully like a little learning session for you. Um, But what I wanted to do today was talk about um, some of the stuff that's currently in the press about a famous comedian being a sexual predator and the misogyny and all of the other allegations which as it stands at the moment are looking yeah pretty true and I I just posted something onto my social media my my personal social media this morning to say well done for the women that are standing up against this person and how powerful it is when women use their voice to call out bad behaviour. And you may or may not know from some of the things that I've said in my other podcasts, you may have not listened to them. This might be the first one you listen to. You might not know anything about me um, or you may know, but I I have been on the receiving end of, of sexual assault. And so I have really struggled to find my voice here. And I felt that This was a really good topic to talk about today because it is poignant, especially in the UK and even maybe other countries, if you're aware of of, of the media. Um, I will tell you the person I'm talking about is Russell Brand. And obviously, you know, what is coming to light and what is obviously quite evident from some of the programmes or the programme that was was aired and also, you know, the the, the information in the press is that, you know, he's a misogynist sexual predator who has degraded women. Now, my podcast, Hang On A Moment, is all about having agency and owning your life. And typically, this could be listened to by men as well. I'm not gender specific but you know in the most part I imagine I might be listened to by females however however um this this episode is not to shame men you know I'm not here to say all men because it is definitely not all men but again what I really loved about the episode that was recently aired um around the situation with Russell Brand is that the other comedian the male comedian at the end stood up um, to stand with the women, and I have actually recorded a previous podcast in the past that I never, that I never, I never launched, and um, partly because it was to do with, um, it's it basically it was to do with something that I decided I didn't want to um, put onto my podcast. Nothing controversial. I just decided in the end, no, I don't, I don't want to have that content. Um, but part of the episode was about about this kind of um, behaviour. And, you know, obviously we have a situation where now it's becoming more um, okay 
for women to speak out about sexual predators. But, you know, the reality is it shouldn't have to be there because it shouldn't happen. Likewise, it shouldn't happen if a woman is being a sexual predator towards a man. However, however, that is not normally the case. And, you know, the reality is it is the men that tend to... um you know, in the main, in the main, you know, the highest percentage is men treating women like this. And obviously it goes back to, you know, the patriarchy and the power exchange that has kind of been there, you know, between the male and the female, you know, the male has always had the upper hand, you know, it's not until recently, you know, in terms of like the length of <laughs> the length of existence that, you know, women have had the power that we have in terms of, you know, having the vote, um, equal pay, um, being able to speak out. And, you know, actually, you know, in some countries, obviously like Afghanistan, that's obviously gone backwards, which is absolutely you know, horrendous. And, you know, I am a feminist. I am a feminist, but I am not a feminist because I don't like men. I'm a feminist because I want every single person to be respected for what they bring to the table. And that's why I say it's not right for anybody to treat anybody in a negative way, whether you're a woman treating a man bad, because obviously there are incidences of this. And, you know, I do hear about it as well in terms of just like the dating circuit as well. You know that women can actually also be perpetrators of bad behaviour, but it's unlikely it's more of this sexual predatory because that tends to stem from men. And anyway, you know, this whole scenario about um people coming forward is um is is amazing but i i wanted to kind of use this episode to to talk about my own experiences because you know i never have really i've talked about them with friends and i've talked about them with my family of course and i've talked about them with therapists and the reason why people don't talk about it is because of the shame and because of the maybe the assumptions that people might make about that scenario and whether you actually, you know, had any part in that situation. And the reality is, is no means no, okay? And men, unfortunately, you know, again, not all men. So when I say men, I'm not talking about all men. I, I totally agree with this, not all men situation. But, you know, the the bad men, the men who do create these scenarios, you know, such as the likes of Andrew Tay and, you know, Russell Brand and obviously a whole host of other people who have done, you know, bad things, um, like Wayne Cousins and, you know, just there's, there's just too many, obviously, to name, but that's just a few that are in the top of my head. Um, the behaviour is just despicable and, you know, it's it's a crime against a human. It's not a crime just against a woman. It's a crime against a human. And, you know, that's that's my that's my biggest issue. Now, last year I actually was listening to, was it last year? Maybe 2021, actually. Um, I was listening to a podcast by Andrew Huberman, who is a kind of neuroscientist, um, kind of well-being kind of um neurologist mental health kind of guru if you've ever heard of him Huberman Lab and he was interviewing an author of a book called um David Buss now David Buss is a, a a leading kind of like psychiatrist and professor I think it was Harvard I have the book literally at the side of me right now but it is under a pile of about another 10 books so if I pull it out to look at the back <laughs> I'm gonna have a and make a big hefty noise, which I don't want you to to hear on this podcast. 
Um, but the book that he actually wrote is called Bad Men. And I was so intrigued by this episode because of experiences that I've had, which I will lift the lid on in a minute, that I decided to buy the book. And it was so interesting. I'll be honest, I haven't finished the book. Um, I started it, got sidetracked with other things and didn't finish it. But it was very insightful where I got to in the book. Part of the reason why I didn't continue reading it was because it was probably triggering some of the things that had happened to me in a way that I didn't want to be triggered. So I put it to one side and, you know, maybe now that I've worked through some of those things, I could I could pick that up and read it again. Um, but it's called Bad Men. And basically what he is saying is that, you know, men are predisposed to, to have a higher sexual urge, to have a higher um, propensity for um, sexual assault, for um, infidelity. And, you know, this is a man writing about men using scientific research. So it's not hearsay. It's not his own thought process. He backs everything he says up with scientific evidence, studies, um, you know, evidence of kind of like the, the the makeup of the chemicals of the body and the behaviours and obviously even including things like testosterone. And, you know, again, it's, it's a very interesting book. But when I read that book, you know, I felt well, it was kind of um, an interesting take on the situation of women feeling like they don't have a voice when a man was actually writing a book called Bad Men about men and the reason why they treat women the way that they do. And of course, you know, round about the same time, I think the film um, she says had just been released, which is obviously all about the Me Too movement. And um, of course, you know, the Me Too movement is about women who had struggled and suffered, um, you know, in the, um, the 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 sort of the media industry in the US um, predominantly um, and, you know, had gone through with Harvey Weinstein, sexual assault, sexual um, predatory behaviours, abuse and, you know, again, just um, really, you know, abusing his power and you know i guess this is what happens isn't it with with the the power plays people abuse their power and so <clears throat> this episode you know is is quite controversial because you know most of my episodes are helping you with like how to move forward in life but it's apparent to me from the conversations i have with other women how evident it is that we go through abusive relationships and within those abusive relationships you know there is obviously a power play, but within those abusive relationships comes sexual um, power. And, you know, outside of relationships comes, comes um, you know, uh, misogyny and comes sexual assault. So you don't have to be in a relationship with somebody, you know, but the statistics also show that the majority of women who are sexually assaulted, which, you know, is another, if we like, it's a term that I use instead of using the word rape because rape sounds so, it's, it's, it just sounds so harrowing. I mean, the experience of sexual assault is harrowing, but, you know, even on this programme about Russell, Russell Brand, one of the women said at the very beginning, you know, sexual assault, it took me a long time to be able to say that I was raped. And, you know, there's a problem in the system there. Um, there is a problem in the system. 
But one of the the key issues is women not feeling like they have a voice and not being able to stand up, not even just to their perpetrators, but actually, you know, to actually go to the authorities and ask for support and explain what they have gone through. So as part of my kinds of, I guess, my healing and my journey of dealing with any trauma that I've gone through in my life, which, you know, there's been quite a bit in terms of abusive relationships, but I have also gone through some sexual assault and I I have never felt supported to be able to come forward and and talk about this and you know after being sick with cancer one of the things that you know I started to realize is that you know I'm holding back the things that I need to get out of my system I need to release these things because again you know um uh trauma sits in your nervous system and it stays in your body and you your amygdala creates this kind of trigger this kind of like panic alarm as soon as you get exposed to a scenario that kind of triggers those same experiences and um if we don't face into the problems that we have had in our life, however they are, whatever they've done in terms of the impact they've left on our body and our mental health, then we will continue to have those dysregulated, um, uh, you know, the dysregulation of the whole nervous system and your, um, you know, your fight or flight response goes into overdrive. And, you know, when you are going through, uh, when you are in a, a trauma scenario, um, you end up having, um, you know, additional levels of fight or flight. So, you know, the standard kinds of um, safety response, if you like, is fight or flight. But, you know, you can move into fawn or freeze when you are triggered um, from a negative traumatic experience. So, I just felt like this was a really good opportunity for me to get some things out and talk about why as a woman or, you know, yeah, why as a woman I've I've, I've struggled um, with um, being able to speak out loud about these. And, you know, I feel like I don't want to, you know, I'm not jumping on the bandwagon here, but there's a lot of women that don't talk about. So, you know, when it comes out in the news, it's an uproar. But actually there's so much that goes on that people don't talk about you know, and it's, it's it's actually awful that it takes a famous person or a famous um, <clears throat> scenario, like, a you know, a high newsworthy, like what happened with Wayne Cousins um, and, you know, the Me Too movement. And, you know, it's actually horrendous that it takes those experiences to create a break in any kind of silence, but it only then allows the people within that kind of, you know, space to kind of speak up or to have their voice heard because the other women who have gone through this just as a lay person in life, you know, we still feel maybe that we cannot say what's happened. So, you know, I'm doing this for other women who who have gone through scenarios similar to me and, and can't speak up. So <clears throat> I've actually had a number of situations Unfortunately for me, my very first scenario, um, and, you know, again, I'm just going to caveat this. I'm not, I'm not giving this information for, 
for sympathy, empathy, or for sensationalism. I'm, I'm giving it to show you that as a woman, we have to be strong enough to say what's happened and own our voice and speak out about the misdemeanors of men. And as I said, I am team human. I am not anti-men. I am a feminist, but I just want equality and I want people to be safe. And that's why I'm, 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 I'm putting this out there, you know, just for the average lay woman, you know, the lay woman who is just literally, you know, watching this stuff on the news and thinking this happened to me but I can't say anything or I've got no voice or you know who's going to listen or no one probably cares it's stuck in that person's body and then they're carrying it around with them so you know it's it's about time we all had a we all had a soapbox if you like to get on and say why why and what we've experienced and and you know and feel supported from other women and ideally also other men because you know one of the things that I'm going to talk about in this is that I didn't get the support that I needed from the authorities and I think that's been one of the biggest issues i watched a program um on channel four after wayne cousins which actually triggered the hell out of me because i had gone through what i would class as rape um but i was calling it have called it still call it sexual assault because it feels less um less severe but it wasn't um and i was watching a, a program called the rape debate in october i remember it was october 2021 and i had just come to the end of my cancer treatment and um it triggered the hell out of me. And it was because I got sexually assaulted in the July while I was going through chemo and I had buried it. I had just disassociated with it because I just couldn't possibly carry on thinking about what had happened while I was going through cancer treatment. You know, chemotherapy was absolutely the worst thing ever. You know, if I had to say what was worse you know, honestly, if I had to say what was worse, the sexual assault or the chemotherapy, it would absolutely be the chemotherapy. I mean, I was so sick on chemotherapy. Um, it was absolutely awful. But of course, the sexual assault was a total violation. But then so is chemo because chemo is killing your body. And, you know, you don't want to have it, but you have to have it. Um, you know, so... Again, it's a similar scenario, you know, no means no, but you can't really, sometimes you can't get people off you. And with cancer, you know, you can't say no to the chemo. You have to give it a shot. You have to try it. So anyway, I got triggered by this program called The Rape Debate. And there were so many women on this program, you know, just the average woman in the audience who said things had happened to them and they didn't get any support from the authorities. They weren't believed or they didn't even go because they felt like they wouldn't be believed. And it, and it resonated so much, you know, it resonated so much. I started getting a massive panic attack. I was on the phone to like a charity at midnight. Actually, I rang three different charities and couldn't get through to anybody because it was in the middle of the night. Um, you know, my family were in, were in bed and I was single at the time and I just was felt absolutely awful because it just a massive flashback and it just brought everything back to me. So, but I'll just start briefly with, you know, what happened to me. So first of all, again, you know, I'm not going to, going to, going to dwell on this, but when me and my, my sister, who is like 14 months older than me, we were young. I mean, we must've been, we must've been less than seven because, um, because my, my dad was still living at home and um, my parents split up when I was seven. So um, unfortunately for us, we were taken down a passage by a door-to-door -door insurance salesman and he actually exposed himself to us. And um, at the time, we were so young that actually, if, if I'm being honest with you, if I'm being really, really honest with you, it didn't, it didn't really, um, it didn't really kind of, you know, traumatise us 
if I'm being honest with you. And I, and I know that sounds silly, but of course we ran home and we laughed. We were laughing because we it was me and my sister and a girl who lived a few doors down on the on the same roads, and we were kind of like not laughing, but we were just in shock because you know, of course, you know. We we kind of knew what what a penis was because you know we'd 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 been um you know around our dads when we were babies and stuff like that and you know of course not in we just knew what it was and but we knew that it was kind of like no men don't show that to women yeah so obviously we knew because my dad obviously you know always kept himself hidden and so did my mom and you know that was all fine but like we knew that it was wrong but we weren't we weren't traumatized by it because we didn't we were too young to really know what had happened anyway we went home we were kind of shocked and sort of laughing and we were like oh you know this man's just shown us his willy and because that's what we called it and you know it was my mum was absolutely horrified quite rightly so you know we were really young kids and this was anyway the police got involved and you know long story short we had to actually identify who who the man was and um you know it was quite awful actually because there was two two men doing the same um um the same rounds um you know with this insurance policy and um the man that actually did it to was tried to frame the other man and me and my sister remember that but you know we had to speak to the police you know and that was something that you know no one at that age wants to go through you know in, to some extent it was you know it was um you know it was it was almost verging on you know the the pedophile paedophile really because he he clearly was targeting the 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 children but as I said it never really affected me because I think we didn't see it as you know intimidate it was intimidating but we didn't see it as um you know uh, a physical it didn't come into our physical space it was just flashing so it wasn't it wasn't as as harrowing but of course it was still awful and so that happened when I was very young. And then, you know, of course, nothing, nothing ever happened for, for, for years. You know, I'd always been with men who were, who were very respectful. And, um, of course, it was just not, you know, that was just like, you know, one, you know, it was like a one off. That never happens. And I respected men. I love men. I love my dad. You know, I had a stepdad. I had a brother. Um, I had boyfriends. You know, I was all okay. No trauma. Nothing, nothing, absolutely at all. And then in 2012, I started dating somebody who had narcissistic personality disorder, which obviously I didn't realize about until I was already in the relationship. And he was highly abusive on many levels in terms of like coercive control, but also very sexual actually um detached and so there was no emotion really um in our scenarios and there was one point where he did actually um you know continue and I said no and I spoke to the police about that and the police um amongst other things and the police pretty much um ignored me and you know I told the police that I think this person um, had mental health issues and that I was, con- you know, severely concerned that he was going to, you know, do this with other women. Anyway, then I got a phone call from um, some of his ex-partners and he had done exactly the same to them. And, you know, all of us had spoken to the police and we'd all been told that it was there was nothing the police could do because it was consenting and it wasn't consenting because obviously, you know, we were saying no, but he was... So, yeah, again, you know, I had an experience in 2012 where I was actually with somebody who was highly abusive and when I went to the police about him on two occasions one which included conversing about sexual assault um I was I was just yeah I was just told well 
you know, you should have seen the signs, you know, you shouldn't have gone down that route and clearly, you know, he wasn't treating you right, so you should have ended the relationship. And, you know, it was almost like it was on me. Like I was, I was, it was on me. It was my fault. It was my fault that I I was dating somebody who was abusive. It was my fault. And that was, it was awful. It was absolutely awful. Anyway, um, in the end, they did say that if I wanted to press charges that I could, but of course, because of the um the 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 way that they'd made me feel i didn't i didn't proceed and you know i i spent a year after that relationship ended i actually ended up obviously throwing the person out of my house and and changing the locks and you know it was a really it was a horrible abusive relationship and you know i spent i spent a year not working and trying to rebuild myself and you know that that sort of that that sort of when i said no and that person not getting off me that left a mark but it maybe in the grand scheme of things, you know, it was. It, I'm not. I'm not saying it was acceptable. It absolutely isn't. And he was my boyfriend, and I said no, and he was aggressive, and it was awful. But you know, I knew him, and he was in my house, and so that's probably why the police were saying, "Well, you know, you let him be there." And so that's where this fine line is between saying, "Okay, well, you know, it's all right for somebody to." to to be in your house to even be in your bed to even for you to even consent to having you know intimacy with them but when you say no at a point that you say no and they ignore that that's that's rape but the police didn't see it as that so i was told that you know basically there was no case and so you know i was obviously you know super upset about that but just carried on with my life and then unfortunately for me, in around 2015, I had another scenario um, and this was with um, somebody who was a, a photographer in the fitness industry and I was going for a photo shoot and this person had been grooming me and I didn't really, really kind of know what was going on. Um, he was quite a, he was very much a sociopath. He was quite attractive. And basically he was um, saying to me, because he was very arty, his photos are very arty and I'm very comfortable with the naked body. But of course, you know, I'm not going to show my naked body to just anybody. Um, but I wanted some photographs of him because I'd done quite a lot of work on my body and I was feeling body confident, especially after what had happened with my abusive partner. And I said, like, I've seen the pictures that you do and I'd really want something that's, you know, very tasteful. So, you know, it's, you can see that I have no clothes on because I'm showing off my my figure that I've worked on in the gym, but I, I don't want to be exposed in any way. And so he was like, that's fine, you know, no problem. So I sent him some mood boards saying, oh, you know, I really like this picture. I love this picture. And he's like, well, you know, how do you feel taking your clothes off in the camera in front of me? And, you know, he was he was pushing boundaries and I had none then. I had no boundaries. I've worked on this so much, but, you know, I had no boundaries. And, you know, one of the things that he was saying was, you know, um, how comfortable would you, you know, would you feel about sending me, um, you know, a picture of you now, like just in your underwear? And, you know, at the time I was a bit like, oh, this is a bit weird, but yeah, okay, I can kind of see his logic. You know, if I've got to take, you know, if I've got to have no clothes on in front of me and wants to know, you know, that I'm comfortable just sending a picture of me in my underwear. Anyway, you know, fast forward, we ended up flirting. I was then a bit like, okay, yeah, well, you know, I quite like this guy and, you know, flirting. And so it moved into a bit of a different territory and that's all okay. 
But, you know, he kind of pushed it there. I'd gone to him as a professional photographer. Anyway, I went and had the shoot. Prior to the shoot, he had sent me some naughty photos of himself. And I was a bit like, okay, that's a bit forward for someone I'm going to have a shoot with. But, you know, I'm not a prude. I'm quite liberal. But again, you know, it was I didn't have any boundaries. And so I never really called that out. I went for the shoot, partly a bit naive because, you know, I was attracted to this person, kind of thought that he was attracted to me. And, um, you know, I'm going to be I'm going to be honest, like we ended up in a situation where we were, you know, kissing and there was some consenting sexual activity. But then it moved into non-consenting sexual activity and I was pinned down and unable to move. And this man was a heavy, hefty guy who weight trained and I was unable to move. And I had gone into a situation with him where I'd consented and ended up leaving feeling totally violated. And so after the event, I can't explain how I felt, but I felt empty. I felt dirty. I felt abused. I felt, I really just felt disgusting. I I felt, yeah, like I'd been raped. And I couldn't quite work out in my head what had happened because I was like, but I went there for a photo shoot. So I went there. I I accepted he was going to kiss me. I'd sent him some pictures of me in my underwear. And... Yeah, basically, I I um, couldn't quite rationalise what had happened because I'm like, did I consent? And then I'm like, no, I didn't. I didn't consent. I did, but I didn't. And so then, of course, I was so confused. So I was coming home on the train and I posted something on my social media about the fact that I'd had a photo shoot with this person and I had never posted that I was having a photo shoot. I bloody wish that I had because the minute I posted and tagged this person in it, I got about three or four different women inboxing me saying, oh my God, I've had a photo shoot with him. How did he treat you? What happened? Um, Yeah, did he send you the picture of of him? Did he send you the dick pic? Blah, 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 blah. And it was just like, what? Oh, my God. And then I realised what had happened. And I'd been groomed by this sexual predator. And so, of course, I went to the police. I went to the police. And I said to the police, look, this is what's happened. And I, you know, I have been sexually assaulted. But again, the police pushed back and said, well, no, because you consented to it. And I was like, but I didn't consent to what happened. I I went to the photo shoot and I let him kiss me and I let some sexual activity, but I didn't consent to the bit where he pinned me down. I didn't consent to that and I couldn't get him off me. But of course, the police wouldn't hear anything of it. I, I, you know, as far as they were concerned, it was consenting and it wasn't, but I had no no stand and it was my word against his and obviously you know the police were pretty much saying there's no point in pursuing this so you know just kind of like yeah they're there uh sorry you've had a bad experience but you know here's a pat on the pat on the head um have a have a nice tea and a hot bath and you'll feel better soon that was how it, how it how it how it was dealt with and it was really again heartbreaking for me and bearing in mind this was just after I'd got over I'd spent like a year getting over the the breakup with the narcissist only to be ex- have an experience with this sociopath and it became evident that he was a sociopath because once I realized the kind of person he was I started looking up about him and he had a track record and he was actually renowned in a previous 
um, life for being quite a sociopath um, and um, exploiting another industry that he was in. And there was evidence of that. And he'd also been done for tax evasion. And so there was this unscrupulous person behind this man that I didn't know about until I got a taste of what he was really like. But again, the police still still denied my um, my allegations. So I I then became part of almost like, yeah, like a Me Too group on social media for other women who were in the fitness industry who had gone through these sexual assaults or sexual predatory experiments with this person. And so this went on until about 2017. Bear in mind, this happened in 2015. And in 2017... Um, I got this email about, in fact, I got about four emails from the women in this group who knew what I'd gone through. Oh my God, he has been arrested. Two people have come forward. Um, he's done it again and that he's, he's now been arrested. So long story short, this person then got arrested. Lo and behold, I then got a phone call from the police and the police said, we might want you to come and give, um, evidence and um, sorry, not evidence. I can't remember what, what they said, but basically they weren't going to trial him for my scenario. They still felt that what happened with me wasn't wasn't sexual assault or rape, which I disagree. But again, they they sort of came back with a bit of a begging bowl because, you know, now this person had had to um, um, to, you know, ups you know, very clear sexual assault allegations. Anyway, you know, what actually happened was this person did did get sent down for, for two years. I don't know what happened, but I know he got his, 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 his photography licence taken off him. He got put on the um, sex offenders register. All of these things happened. And, you know, I had been in a situation with this person. I'd gone to the police and the police said no. And I knew. And I knew. And, um, you know, the same thing with my ex as well. You know, he, 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 from a kind of like, um, if you know about Claire's Law, which is where women who have been in, who are thinking they're with somebody who's got a, a history of abuse, um, you can you can speak to the police to get um, a, 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 an overview of this person. And and you know, I know again, other women after me when I ended it with him had had to go down that route because of his behaviour. So you know, I'd had two situations where I'd gone to the police and the police ignored me. The police ignored me. So you know. That's what happened. Then fast forward to 2018, I then got targeted by somebody through social media who was very charming. And again, you know, nope, I had no boundaries. I had no boundaries in place at this point. This was pre-cancer. So cancer was my blessing. Cancer was my lesson. Cancer was what came to me to tell me that enough is enough. And I had to change the way that I was behaving. And, you know, I... I have been a people pleaser and I have had an anxious attachment type from things that have happened to me in my early life. And, you know, I did, unfortunately for me, have have um, very low self-esteem. And I also um, have um, had my very first relationship with somebody who was physically abusive. And so, you know, I, I was 16 in that relationship. He was eight years older than me. And so, you know, I kind of grew up not thinking that it was normal, but, you know, I, I, I kind of grew up with it. You know, my parents never, my, you know, my, my, my biological 
parents were were great you know they just split up when I was young so that was obviously quite quite upsetting um but also you know I, I definitely put down the fact that I have ADHD I definitely put that down to this you know slightly higher on the risk take we're slightly higher risk takers we're also um we also have a propensity for um you know doing things off the cuff and being a little bit wild um and you know we have low dopamine so when someone's giving us something that's going to boost that dopamine of course that's exciting so you know when i'm talking about that i'm talking about things like um abusive relationships where people love bomb you and then they bring you into a trauma bond so again i'm not going to talk about trauma bonding here because this is about the sexual aspect of 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 assault but trauma bonding is a psychological abuse which also you know they liken to being as addictive as 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 cocaine on the brain it does the same thing to the brain and you know i imagine that if you have low dopamine and you have adhd and you're looking for ways to increase that dopamine, then you are a prime candidate. And also, if you have low self-esteem, you are a prime candidate. And if you have no boundaries, you are a prime candidate for these kind of people, you know? And I recognise that now, but I didn't know about any of this, not in this level, you know, until until after I started, I started looking into trauma after the last sexual assault. So, you know, I've given you a few examples here. But I'll tell you what happened with the, the person through social media. And anyway, they they sort of again groomed me, um, but it became a bit more like a normalised, you know, boy meets girl. You know, he was telling me he was into me. We met a few times. Yeah, we did have consenting sex. All of that was fine. Um, you know, there was strange behaviour from him, but it was mainly on the emotional abuse side. You know, it was the kind of like the love bombing, um, the devaluing, the discard. You know, it was that whole, the breadcrumbing, the disappearing, the coming back. You know, it was really horrible psychological abuse. And I, I've always said to everyone, it was never a relationship. It was a situationship. I had fallen in love. But, you know, when, when I say I've fallen in love, now I know, obviously, the trauma bond, I probably wasn't in love. I was just addicted to the way that he made me feel when he came back with the love bombing. But... What actually happened with him from a sexual perspective is that um, at one point I decided to try and break free. And this was a bit of a stupid move for me, but I actually said to him, um, I had met somebody else on a dating app. And, you know, I guess like one of the things that he used to do as part of his psychological abuse um, was tell me that my my body wasn't good enough and that, you know, maybe I should look more like this or maybe I needed to get bigger thighs or maybe I should have a bigger booty. And, you know, all of these horrible things that, you know, as a woman, you know, we we I'm not I'm not self-conscious, but he got me into that place and so you know i i stupidly and foolishly sent him a picture of this person off the dating app i shouldn't have done it but I, he pulled me into this stupid game and um it was almost like he saw red obviously because you know for him that was like how dare anyone else have her you know i was his and he didn't want that so he blocked me and it was all, again, I was just discarded. And then about um, three days later, he came back and he's like, look, I'm really sorry about um, about that. And I, I get where you're coming from. Um, it's like, but, you know, I do, I do, I do want to be with you. And anyway, he sent me some, some pictures, unsolicited pictures. I'd not asked for them. They came through literally after those messages. And it was three women's, um, three women with just their underwear on and his name written on their backsides in black marker pen. Okay, so, you know, can you imagine ever receiving that from someone that you're in love with? I mean, A, it's really weird. B, it's so hurtful. And C, it's just, wow, 
A, do these women know know that they've all been asked to write his name on their backside in black marker pen? And B, do they know that he's then sending pictures to other women? And and see why why it's like it was like mentally emotionally crushing my heart. I was like, what is this person doing to me? So of course I rang the police, and a few of my friends were saying the police won't do anything about it because he's not really done anything. But I was like, well, it's unsolicited porn. You know, he sent me unsolicited porn, and so of course um, the police were very interested, and I was a bit concerned because I was like, oh, why are the police so interested in, in, in this? You know, they seem more interested than I thought they would be. And, and at this point, um, the, the, the police officer actually let slip um, his surname. And now, believe it or not, because we weren't in a relationship and we knew each other through social media, and of course we would see each other, but we weren't like dating, dating. I didn't know his surname and he wouldn't tell me, but I did know how old he was. I knew his age and I knew his birthday. And I after I got this information from the police, which was obviously, you know, to to to, to me, um, they were giving it me for um clarity of their records. They probably didn't know that I didn't know his surname. I, I decided, okay, there's something I just got a gut feeling. My gut is great, it's my best sense. And I, I Googled online and you know, I think I took about I think it might have taken me about twelve hours one way or another, I don't know how I got here, but once I found it, it was so easy to find it again. I found it. He had been in just six months before he started talking to me, he had been um, in court and charged with sexual assault. So, of course, you know, again, I was like, oh, my God, how is this happening again? Now, as I said, he didn't actually sexually assault me, but he was, he had been charged you know, he 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 was charged before he met me, and obviously, all the things that he was doing was trying to lure me in, and you know, of course, that was actually awful, and um, you know, this was before I got diagnosed with cancer, so this would have been about two thousand and nineteen, and then I got diagnosed with cancer at the beginning of two thousand and twenty-one, and I believe, you know, I massively believe that a lot of my sickness and my illnesses come from these abusive relationships and this dysregulated nervous system, a hundred percent. And um, and having a lack of boundaries, hence why this podcast is so important to me and this subject is so important to me because we just don't get heard, our voices don't get heard. And as the average person in the street, you know, a laywoman, not a famous person, you know, not part of a movement, I'm just putting it out there that we go through these scenarios and we get, you know, lo and behold, you know, the two people that I spoke to at the police station about the first two situations that I told you about, they were men. Yet when I told the police about these pictures that I'd had from the person in 2018, the woman that was trying to encourage me to press charges or to put a statement forward, it was a woman, which is really interesting, isn't it? And I'm pretty sure this was either around about the time, it might have been just before or just after or around about the time of the Wayne Cousins scenario, when obviously, of course, everything sort of upped its game a little bit on this protection about like how the police should protect women more. Um, so fast forward, because, you know, this is getting into a long podcast, but I've got quite a bit to say on this because I feel like, you know, it needs to be said and I want to put it out there. And if people don't listen to this and don't hear it, then they don't. But, you know, for me, I'm not making any allegations against anyone in terms of giving a name. But, you know, I'm just telling you how harrowing it is as a woman when you go through these scenarios and you don't get heard. And also that men think it's acceptable. And so, you know, fast forward. So 2021, I was going through cancer treatment. Um, I was on the dating app because one of my biggest worries while I was going through the cancer 
cancer treatment was that you know I just felt so lonely and I didn't want to be on my own and not not that I wanted to just be with anybody but you know I actually wanted to meet you know the love of my life I wanted to be in a relationship and um you know I'd struggled a little bit because of COVID and obviously the abusive relationship before and um so I actually came across somebody that I'd had dates with twice in the past. And when I say twice, he'd messed me around the first time. I'd given him a second chance. He messed me around the second time. And I said, no, absolutely not. So this time he got in touch with me from the dating app. And I actually said to him, right, we can go out for brunch, Sunday brunch, but it's just as mates. There's no more shenanigans because you've messed me around twice. So I'd made it very clear. You know, I'd, I'd put myself, I asserted myself in terms of, you know, th- there was no chance this was going to be a date. We were just going to go out. It's like a mate's date. We'll have a coffee. You know, and again, I'm I'm not going to lie. Most people will be like, why did you even do that after we treated you badly? But we actually did get on. And I actually, you know, I actually was attracted to him. But he was funny and he was nice. And, you know, I was going through cancer. And I thought, oh, fuck it. Excuse my French. But I was like, I want to have, you know, I, I, yeah, it's nice. He's interested in me. And again, a, a bit similar. You know, he was playing on my you know, weaknesses. He was making me feel attractive and he was making me feel desired. And so, um, you know, I, I was there with my line in the sand. No, we're just going to meet as friends. But I thought, well, it'll still be something nice to do. I'm going through a bit of a crap time. Now, he did not know that I had cancer. He did not know that I was going through chemo, but he knew that it was my birthday that weekend. And so um, we went out and we went for Sunday lunch. So it was the middle of the day. It was a Sunday. And he brought me back to mine in the car. Again, I felt safe being in the car. He'd never, he'd never assaulted me. He'd never sexually assaulted me. He'd just been a bit of an idiot. So I didn't feel like nervous being around him or anything like that. I just said, you know, it's just friends. So of course we went out, had lunch. It was just friends. We came back to my house. He dropped me off and I said, again, it was lunchtime. It was a Sunday. I said, do you fancy a coffee? I said, I've got some cake because it's my birthday. I said, so if you want a coffee and a cake. Partly I did that because I was a bit like, I'm having a nice time. Um, and also, you know, I did have cake and my appetite was not great because of of, of the chemo. And I just had my last, um, not my last, my first um, cycle on the Thursday. And this was the Sunday. And it used to work that I'd be quite sick on the Monday, but up until the Sunday, I, I could keep going. But by Sunday, I was starting to feel a little bit strange. And so that was what was happening. I was feeling a little bit off. And what I mean by strange is when you have the certain um, chemo that I was having, you start getting neuropathy. So you can't feel your hands and fingers. You get tingle in your mouth. You can't drink cold water. You can't have anything cold. You can't even put your hands in the fridge without wearing gloves because the cold is so, you're so sensitive. It really messes with all your nerve endings. And of course, there's also nausea and just overall fatigue and sickness and it's just really awful and so you know then I would spend the next week just lay in in bed with having my you know my family come around to help me you know eat and 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 cook me meals and and just spend time with me so you know it was it was awful um but this was the Sunday and you know what happened was um I was telling him that I hadn't been able to finish decorating my front room um in um lockdown and um he said, oh, let me see. So I said, okay. So I opened the front room because we were sat in the dining room. Again, it was broad daylight. It was the middle of the day. And um, I opened my front room. And um, so we were poking our heads around the door and I was leaning against the wall and and, and he just turned around and, and started kissing me. And I said, no, no. I said, no, no, we're not doing this. Like, we're not, we're not doing this. And he went, just a kiss. And I went, okay. I went, just a kiss. And I went, a kiss is fine just a kiss. I went, that's it. Now, bearing in mind, I was really struggling to kiss because my 
um, neuropathy was in my, my, my lips and my tongue were like numb and tingly. So it was really awkward. So it was a very minor kiss. It was a very small kiss. And then the next minute he put his hand up my dress and I was like, no, no, no. And I pushed his hand down and he didn't take no for an answer. Now, at this point, I was like all pins and needles. I couldn't move. I couldn't move my body. And, you know, I'm not going to tell you like what happened because I don't want to share that bit. But basically, fast forward and, you know, he had... Um, orally raped me and um it was disgusting and I was on the floor had no strength to fight him off um had been totally violated I had said no I had even said it initially we were just friends yes I accepted the kiss but I didn't say any more than that he put his hand up my dress and I said no and he still carried on and what happened for me then was that because I wasn't able to push him off because of my neuropathy that's why I then got PTSD because that particular scenario was something that happened while I was going through cancer treatment so I it was a, almost like a double edged sword of like the cancer and the rape which just led for me to have PTSD and you know I have since I'd had EMDR and um, that's as related to some other stuff that's happened in my life as well. So EMDR is um, eye movement desensitization reprocessing, which is great for trauma. Um, but, you know, I, I, I never went back to the police about that. And that was probably that was probably the most serious sexual assault of all of the things that I've mentioned. They were all bad and they were all sexually orientated crimes but that was the the actual you know stereotypical sexual assault where I said no and I never I never went back to the police because I just I was so first of all I disassociated from it as I said I got triggered watching the rape debate in the October 2021 but I was so scarred by my experiences of the police and also you know again a lot of women will say on this rape debate they don't want to go through bringing it all up again I couldn't I couldn't face it I couldn't do it I was you know I was fighting for my life really I was going through chemotherapy and I couldn't bring myself to to have um I couldn't I just couldn't bring myself to have have that happening as well I just couldn't and you know after after I um, after I kind of, you know, got through this, I then ended up going into a work environment that was so misogynist and it was triggering everything left, right and centre. And that's why I had to leave. So, you know, I've had a very bad experience when it comes to sexual assault and misogyny. Um, unfortunately, you know, it's it's not really been where I've had any justice. But fortunately for me, my my justice is knowing that I have now I am now at peace with it I have now I have I have spoken to a charity about it I have spoken to a professional organization um I haven't spoken to the police um but I am at peace with it and in a way I'm not saying it's what I wanted but in a way I feel that you know these scenarios have given me a lesson um definitely not a blessing but actually a lesson in boundaries and a lesson in not even it's not even the boundaries partly it's also the people pleasing as well and you know understanding that when you go through scenarios where people take advantage of you or violate your good nature the more you let that happen the more it's going to continue 
And, you know, that's why I'm so kind of, you know, I'm, I'm such a feminist, but for equality, not because I don't like men, you know, I do love men. Um, you know, I've got men in my life as my family and my friends and, you know, yeah, you know, I'm heterosexual. So, you know, a male partner and I, I love men, but, you know, I just wish that they weren't so derogatory towards women at times. And, you know, I just feel like what's come out in the media, it was just worth to share this story because, you know, as I said, it's cathartic for me. I've never, I've never actually, I've never actually done this where I've just gone through the whole scenario and just, just said it. And I'm hoping that, you know, if you've gone through this, you know, if you, if you as a woman have gone through this and you want someone to talk to it. Now, I'm not a therapist. I'm a coach. So I talk to people about how you move forward. But a lot of time in life, we can't move forward until we know what's holding us back. But once we know what's been holding us back, a therapist doesn't necessarily help you move forward. A therapist will clear that. Like, it will clear that, but then the coaching, which is what I do, helps you move forward. Now, I offer acceptance and commitment therapy coaching, which basically is ACT. And that is where you accept what's happened and you move forward to a values-aligned life. So you you, you focus on on the, 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 the current moment and what you want from the now. You don't focus anymore on the past. And, you know, you do have a nod to the future. Of course, we all need to, but it's about just living your life. And it's about not letting these harrowing situations that you've gone through pull you down. And, um, you know, this this is so important. And so if anyone who's listening to this has has any experience the same as me um, and would like a coach to help you move forward, then I would, you know, I would recommend that you book in one of my free um, discovery calls. The link is in the bio um, or you can contact me through social media and I would love to see, you know, how we might be able to work together. Um, but I, I do recommend therapy as well, you know, or EMDR if you've gone through this. Um, but as a coach, I can certainly try and help you move forward. And that's what I that's what I'm doing with my life now. And I'm doing that through having very clear boundaries, um, not going through that people pleasing, you know, having a healthy nervous system, regulating my nervous system and actually, you know, knowing what I want from life, knowing what my values are, um, you know, and knowing what my standards are and what my boundaries are. And that's where, you know, I will help you. So if you have, you know, benefited from this, then please, 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 you know, give me some feedback. Also, please do share this. You may or may not know people who have gone through this scenario um, because some people do not talk about it. But, you know, please do share. And, um, yeah, I'd love to hear back from you if there's any way that I can support you or even if you just want to, um, yeah, let me know that it was a bit of a me too because, you know, we have unfortunately you know, a few of us, we have been there and it's not nice. So yeah, uh, try, you know, don't want this to be a heavy one, but you know, it's about having a voice. And so let's, let's stand in our power. Let's, let's, you know, take agency, let's own our life and let's move forward and, you know, make the best of the rest of our life. (laughs) So on that note, I'm going to love you and leave you and I will be with you next week. So you take care. Much love.